Tom, thanks for sitting down once again. You know, as far as churches are concerned, many people hear about just the necessity for a godly elder board. Mm. But often what is left unemphasized is the unique perspective that lay elders bring to that elder room. Can you talk about that unique perspective and the necessity of lay leadership within the church and how you've seen that play out in your own ministry? Well, you know, that's an interesting question. And I think, you know, a lot of people don't understand that the foundation for lay elders and staff elders isn't pragmatics. It's biblical. It stems from 1 Timothy 5.17, where here's Paul writing to Timothy, serving in Ephesus. And it's clear in 1 Timothy 5.17 that there are elders, there's a plurality of elders. And in Ephesus, he says, there are those who are to be paid and there are those who, who are not to be paid. And it's about the level of gifting and the way they're able to serve. The elders who rule well doesn't mean there's some who, who rule poorly. just means there's some who excel at that. Mm. And especially those who labor at teaching and preaching, he says, are to be paid. The next verse makes it clear that double honor there is talking about pay, quoting from both the Old Testament and from Luke. And so that foundation establishes the makeup of an elder board. Mm. It needs to be a plurality, yeah. and it needs to be those who are paid because they're set apart for that purpose, because they excel in those gifts. And they're those who serve as lay elders. Mm. I think the importance of that, I mean, that's obviously God's plan. Yeah. Totally. When you look at, you know, why? Why would God have done that? Yeah. Just at a very practical level, if all of the elders are staff elders and, and I'm not really a man interested in a plurality of opinions, then as the, as the head pastor who's over these staff elders, I can exert my will and get my way every time. And because you also become like blind to your own blind spots in that regard. Exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah, you may not even be aware you're doing it. Yeah. You just want what you want and you, totally. you sort of convince yourself everybody else wants it. And so you just sort of sail the ship with, with the guys that you're paying, that are paid by the church. And so they're beholden to you for their income, for their family's livelihood and for where they live and for who their friends are. Yeah. And so it's very hard for them to to take issue with you. doesn't mean they shouldn't. I tell every new staff elder that comes on, look, you need to handle this respectfully because Paul told Timothy to do that, right? Yeah. He's, he's to treat the older men as fathers and the older women as mothers. And so there ought to be a deference and a respect. But I tell them, look, if, if there's something you see, if there's first of all, if there's something you disagree with, come in and tell me that. Let's yeah. talk about it. And if we can't work it out, then I'm, I'm all for you taking it to the full elder board. Let's, mm. you know, let's work it out on, at that level because yeah. I don't want to be that guy, you know, the king who has no clothes but's being told they're beautiful. Yeah. And, and so mm. I think it's really important so that the, the control of the church doesn't rest ultimately in the hand of one man one guy. because that's contrary to the spirit of the New Testament and plurality. And if there's only staff elders, then I'm sorry, it just does, um, unintentionally, but it does. And so I think that's a, that's a real uh, issue to consider. But beyond that, you know, the whole principle of plurality is that we are wiser collectively than we are individually. Yeah. And so the whole point of that is we have all of these men with different gifts, different backgrounds, different strengths, mm. and they come together to discuss 
issues related to the church. And as they forge a, a deferential consensus, yeah. you know, where we come together, nobody, nobody chooses a hill to die on unless it's a fundamental of the faith. We're trying to work together to come to one mind. And if everyone's doing that to come to a consensus, then that collective decision reflects a great deal of collective wisdom, yeah. and it will be for the benefit of the church. And so I, I think we just overlook that. And lay elders bring a, a perspective that's fresh yeah. because they're not in the middle of it. Now, I'm, uh, this can create problems. I yeah. mean, there can be misunderstandings about how this all relates, how do oh. lay elders and staff elders relate to each other, what's their relationship. Uh, that can be a problem and has to be carefully worked out. Yeah. But it's a great gift, great gift the Lord's given His church. So, Tom, my, my follow-up question to that, and I'm processing it as you're speaking, is how do you go about appointing new elders that aren't just yes-men, but also that bring their own perspective, that aren't on the exact same page on everything, but then also know that they're going to be a part of a team hmm. in a way that is, you know, on a quest of self-preservation, sometimes a guy wouldn't want a guy on the elder board because he's not perfectly aligned. Right. But at the same time, that might also cripple that elder board because they're not bringing in a different voice. Right. What is the ingredient you're looking for as you discern this guy who's aligned, but then maybe not aligned on certain things? But, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. I think the number one ingredient is humility. Yeah. Because a proud man doesn't work well, doesn't play well with others. Yeah. You know, immediately there comes contention just by virtue of who he is. Yeah. So I think that is the number one ingredient to be looking for is someone who recognizes that he's not the voice of wisdom and that he needs, you know, the others yeah. the Lord has placed in the church to help govern it so that we're, we're balancing each other. So I, I think that's the very first principle. Yeah. yeah it's, it, I mean, what else? It, right? Yeah, it's essential totally. not only for us as believers, but for leaders, yeah. you don't want a proud leader. And so I think if, if the man is humble, yeah. then that brings you to the next sort of practical application yeah. of that. And that is that he's willing to practice what I would call mutual deference. Mm. You know, a lot of people view the elder board as like this, we're all equal in every way. Yeah. Well, that's, that may be the Declaration of Independence, but that's not the Bible. Yeah. Of course we're not equal in every way. You know, we're different in age. We're different in maturity. We're different in experience. We're different in, in our specific areas of knowledge and strength and gifts. And so when we come together as an elder board to mm. talk about a specific issue, let's say in, in my own setting, we're going to talk about commercial real estate. We want to buy some property to you know, build a student center or whatever. Well, there's a man on my elder board who has experience. That's what he's done his whole life. Yeah. We need to practice the sort of mutual deference that says, you know, I'm not going to check my brain and just listen to this guy and say whatever he says, yeah. but I'm going to defer to him as the one who has the greatest potential experience and voice in this issue. In the same way that he would do with you exactly. regarding Exactly. If we're talking about Greek, you know, yeah. he's going to do that with me. So there is that mutual deference that takes place. Nobody checks his brain and just says, oh, well, you're the expert. Yeah. But there is that, that willingness to say, I don't know everything, hmm. and God has put some really gifted people around this table. Yeah. Let's listen to one another and see if we can learn. So I think that quality of mutual deference is huge. And creates a healthy culture and team dynamic. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I would add, you, you, you ask about, you know, how does the one guy not dominate? I think the main thing mm. is if you're, the, if you're the main teaching elder, if you're up there week after week, yeah. then just by virtue of that, you accumulate so much of this sort of collateral with yeah, the people sweaty, in your church, yeah. with, even with the leaders. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to intentionally give them a voice. Yeah. So I'll tell you what I do. I mean, if, if we're sitting around the table and it's a controversial issue, and I know yeah. that, then if there are a few guys being quiet, I don't let them be quiet. Yeah. I say, you know, we need to, we need to hear Bob what all of you guys yeah. think. Bob, what do you think about this? Yeah. Because I want to know what every man's thinking, so we're all working through this together. Yeah. I, I think that's really been helpful so that everybody feels they have a reasonable voice in this decision. And it facilitates you empowering them, which also just serves as a further catalyst for a healthy dynamic on the team. And exactly. Where they feel valued instead of just allowed to speak into it. Yeah, and it, it serves that sort of sort of reflective purpose. Yeah, sure. But primarily, yeah. you gain their wisdom. Yeah. You gain their insight. I mean, yeah. these are men the Lord has gifted and called to serve His church. Yeah. And I can benefit mm. from the reason the Lord placed them there. Uh-huh. I, I think it comes down to, you got to ask yourself the basic question. Do you believe in a plurality or not? Yeah. I mean, it really does come down to that. Because I think a lot of guys are very eager to say, I believe in a plurality. And but name when, only. Yeah, but when push comes to shove, I want what I yeah. want. I've got an agenda, and totally. I'm going to drive that agenda. Mm-hmm. And so you got to check that at the door. Everybody, not just one guy, but everybody has to check that at the door and say, hey. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is another piece of that mindset, is the Lord didn't delegate the authority for the church to one elder or to a couple of elders or even to a small committee of elders. Yeah. It's the entire elder board. Yeah. He delegated his collective authority for that church mm. to the entire elder board working together and determining together the course they're going to take. Mm. And so I, I don't have some special authority as an elder. Yeah. I have authority along with the other elders working together unless all the other elders recognize, you know, we can't do everything. So collectively, we're going to delegate this role to you. Mm. And now I have that responsibility, but I'm still responsible back to the complete and entire elder board because that's where the authority Christ gave his church rests. Mm, Tom, that's so helpful and, and challenging even as we think through the humility that every leader should have. So thank you for your time and for your insight. Yeah, you're welcome. Great to talk with you. Thanks, Tom.